welcome to the 2020 Baby Podcast. I'm Pamela Douglas, and it's my pleasure to have with me today by phone, Brian Crawford, who's the producer of 2020 Baby Podcast. I needed lots of help, but we did it, Brian. Brian is of Longbow Productions and co-founder of Fig and Vine Wellbeing for Little Ones. Brian's also the father of two small daughters, and we're discussing what it is to be the father of an infant during this pandemic. Hi, Brian, and, and thanks for being willing to have a chat with me today. Hi, Pam. Thanks for having me. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about yourself right at this moment as we're all together as a community facing this pandemic. Yes, well, it's certainly been a rapid and you know, unsettling turnaround from a few weeks ago. I'm uh, father of two. Our youngest daughter just turned one um, and our eldest is just about to turn three next week. So we're contemplating how to do a birthday party without seeing the grandparents that she dearly loves. And yes. We'll use that via by, by technology in some way, even though until this moment we've basically not been showing them screens and lots of those kind of things. So it's, mm. it's, it is it's a certain... Certainly, we've had to rethink a few things uh, in our lives. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I work in production and television and photography and all of those sorts of things. And that industry is going to be fairly heavily impacted for the, certainly the next mm. few months um, by this dramatic change. And it's 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 quite a moment. I mean, I'm normally because of the precarity and the nature of the work that I do, I'm generally prepared for months of, you know not having income coming in or cash flow changes and things like that. But even this one, that last week, I started to calculate how many months that might be yeah. and I started to get a bit concerned. So that's all right. Absolutely. We're working through that as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, yeah, uh, and, many, and many people are going through, obviously, similar and we're, we're a relatively fortunate place so far and we're not sick. So that's a good start, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brian, I... I'm interested to talk to you about fathering very small children in the time of this pandemic. But as you know, my work's particularly focused on those first few months of life. And so we'll just shift our lens to those first months of life. There's been a growing recognition of the need to include fathers or other mothers or parents of non-binary gender in our discourses, in our discussions and our use of language about parenting. And this is, you know, this is a, a wonderfully positive trend. Historically, there have been profound taboos for women to even start speaking about their embodied experience um, through pregnancy, birth and the very early months of life. And I have to say I've watched with fascination in the last 15 years really as these taboos have really started to break down and and this is particularly with social media. My PhD was actually an exploration of how women write about their subjective embodied experiences through pregnancy, birth and these early months of caring for a a child and at the time that I finalised that in 2011 although there'd been shifts there was still it would be fair to say a very limited amount of writing that that sort of 
spoke to these physical realities through the perinatal period, but that's all shifted in the in the last you know, the last decade, the last nine years. And at the same time, though, there's there's been, particularly from men's groups, a real move to insert fathers into the discourse around how to care for babies and small children. You know, what is it to be a dad in the perinatal period? And I guess I'm hoping that you and I could have a bit of a chat about that. Yeah, absolutely. So what is a father's role really in the first months of his little one's life would you say well that's a good question and certainly i have no expertise beyond having starting to have a family but i had always had a fairly strong partnership with emma and my wife and just in terms of when we decided we'd try for pregnancy that it would be a team effort is just basically the way we've certainly approached um the overall uh, overarching theme of, of our pregnancy and, and then post-birth but obviously there are some things that I mean, we breastfed um, both our daughters and still are after our second daughter um, that I can't physically do in that time but it's certainly the, the way I saw my role was to make sure that I could just help with changes and sleeping or walking babies when uh, Emma needed sleep um, so that any time for rest or any other opportunity that to support and you know, cook meals, buy, do the shopping. Mm. Um, unfortunately, with my work, I had a bit of flexibility that I could, one, take a little bit of time off in the immediate couple of weeks and then be available at odder, odder hours than I mean, perhaps most fathers are or, you know, the standard, you know, the standard way families are set up where fathers work all the time and the mums have, you know, take, the, take a year off or whatever that, they can do. That's all changching too, isn't it, with the pandemic it is, and, yeah. and other partners working from home. But, yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you know, roughly our approach was just I would just do all the little things that I could to just reduce the load on uh, Emma. And we had obviously a lot of trouble with, as you know, our, our firstborn was quite a difficult sleeper mm. in, the, in the first period. So mm. just supporting, I would get up early and take our daughter for a walk um, for an hour as a first thing. And she loved it, loved being outside yeah. and she was quite settled in a little carrier on my chest, but um, just to give Emma... Bit, a bit of bit, bit more sleep and a bit of sleep in yeah and those kind of those kind of moments we we um, was how we approached it basically yeah yeah it, it sounds sounds like a very healthy kind of um, team that you've got going there really Brian <laughs> oh thanks we do we try that's for sure <laughs> I, I have to be honest and say that um, sometimes I get a bit anxious about calls for men to be more actively acknowledged in in our discourse around parenting not because you know I don't so much want dads or other partners right there at the heart of things but just because it's taken it's been so hard for mothering to be valued and and, and arguably in in many respects it still isn't you know, it's still a research frontier, for instance, many aspects of the difficulties that parents can face in the first months of life are still not well researched. I remember a feisty midwife saying to me once that uh, her take on it was, you know, all this focus on using in- inclusive language around parenting is like focusing on a little sort of fire when there's a raging bushfire happening just outside 
your property, you know, what she was saying was that um, there's still so much in terms of women and their babies that needs to be researched. The health system needs to be orienting to better, more continuous, more holistic care for women and their babies, women and their babies from a mental health, perinatal and infant mental health perspective. But actually it's it's just finding a balance in that as, as I see it because, you know, we know that um, it's it's so important for our little ones' developmental outcomes that that um, the other partner is really actively involved. You know, it's so important for a woman's you know primary care is mental health that the other partner is really actively involved. So I guess I just worry though that we don't want to. Well, an example of, of my little concern here is that yesterday we had our first possums community room, which was just delightful online, connecting up uh, parents who, as all of us face the pandemic, and there, I think, 47 turned up and we'd been couching it very carefully in terms of parents, a community room for parents. Of course, it was all it was all women, um, so... Um, Mm, I'm not sure that I'm on the track here. Can you take over, Brian, and make some useful <laughs> observations? Well, I feel like I'm not on track. I think, you know, I hear what you're saying, and certainly, you know, I watched a very capable, you know, organised woman really struggle with it's such a load on mothers to start with. Like, it's an unreasonably high load that I would not want to do, and yeah. to tell you the truth. Yeah. And I have nothing but respect for women who manage you know to have, have children and it's just a very we personally found it one of the most more challenging and rewarding challenging um things that i've ever done obviously pandemic notwithstanding uh it in our family i have no compunction that it's a team effort and but it's not you know there are some things again like i said that only emma can do mm. and just being there and supporting is just that's enough you know well, the joy i get with the kids it's enough. I don't yeah. think you need to. The world doesn't need to acknowledge too much more than that. I don't think at this point. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you know, to the extent that I've had the privilege of of watching your family a bit from the edges, those beautiful girls. Um, it seems to me that that you um, have actually allowed um, Emma the space that she's needed really for experimenting with different strategies in those early weeks and months um yeah we know. certainly have just generally approach things with support is the main action so we, you know we have conversations about things about when we're making changes and we discuss ideas but um you know I'm, i certainly have no expertise and i just wanted to support and make sure that if we we're going to try something we tried it and if it didn't work we we just we kept going until we found something else or rejigged re- whatever we were doing. I'm thinking, we had, I'm thinking of sleep particularly yeah, at yeah. first. We went through a long period of just, um, just different strategies to try and help Emma get more sleep because our baby wasn't getting more sleep. But yeah, and didn't and none of them particularly worked over time. Like, um, mm. no to we didn't do any of the sleep trainings or anything like that. We didn't value that. We didn't see that as particularly useful for us in even though some friends had gone down that path but we certainly came to possums and we tried the you know i think you identified that we were already doing most of the things that you can do and some babies just don't sleep very much Mm, mm. brian i'm just wondering if you had any message that you would want to offer fathers with babies 
for managing their own mental health and well-being um, through this time of the pandemic? It's a very good question. And this early in, I almost hesitate to say too much because it's, it's going to be a difficult period. Um, I don't know. I, we've certainly taken the approach um, that I'm going to have a bit more time off in the short term. So I will take the children out of daycare and I'm having two days just being the, the primary care on those two days and then while Emma works, but um, it is going to be difficult. I, you know, even I, who am a generally outgoing, optimistic person, I find myself in moments quite concerned for the girls and for the grandparents more, I guess, is, is where we look, we're looking at with this pandemic, and just how to manage the family so that girls have a routine and a rhythm um, and we as a family all... Uh, get on because we're all going to be living in each other's mm. pockets for quite a you know, bit of time. And at the moment, it seems to be tracking okay. We just we've kept the girls, and Emma really helped develop this as, um, using her OT approach. Just that that a similar schedule each day for the girls during the week in terms of activities. Of activities. Yep. We play downstairs. We've got a little play space and we're fortunate. And this is not attempting to schedule sleep necessarily, but it's it's no, structures no, around just, activities. And, yeah, activities. Exactly, and we have yeah. you know morning tea. Then we have a tabletop activity, whether it's games or painting or something. And they're just trying to give them you know activities that move throughout the day, so they kind of understand the day. And and you know it, it's amazing to watch our littlest one one um, know when at brushing the teeth time, you get the toothbrush out and put it back and then after we brush the teeth, it's books, then mm. then it's back basically in that time. And that that just rough routine has helped in terms mm. of yeah. But we're not that wasn't the aim to make them sleep at the same time or anything. We're just in the yeah. way we're just gonna manage our time. So Absolutely. yeah, it seems to be working so far. But um yeah, and I find the time with the girls on those two days I've getting at the moment is actually surprised you know, beautifully lovely because I haven't had with my work schedule over the last six months, I've been quite flat out and I had been missing out on time because I was studying on the side as well. Um, and now I'm getting quite a beautiful, immersive exposure to the girls, even more so than I had before. So I'm really, in that sense, really enjoying that, you know, the upside of this moment, I guess. Mm, mm. Well, look, thank you so much, Brian, for being willing to have a chat with me. Um, thank you. And take lots of care as, as, as a family. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Bye. Well, thanks for listening. It's been great to have your company. And remember to check out the non-profit website, possumsonline.com, for lots of free resources and programs and the publications that form the evidence base to neuroprotective developmental care or the possums programs. As together, we grow joy in early life. I hope you tune in again soon. Bye for now.